This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. All right, I will be reading Luke 24, starting in verse 1. But very early on a Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all of the prophets, explaining from all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, Stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he suddenly broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. 
They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There, they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And give God a hand of praise. You may be seated. We're in, if you're kind of new with us, we're in, this is week six on Who Am I? Trying to determine what it means to be in Christ. When that phrase is typically said, it's when something bad's going on in your life. Like, man, my marriage is terrible. Well, you just need to know what it means to be in Christ. Or you should just believe in Jesus. As if that fixes everything. And so it's been a struggle. And I'm trying to be, you know, the best I could as is understanding as I can with it. I grew up a Christian. I grew up in church. And so to try to understand what this topic means to, to know Jesus and to have his life impact mine, I want to go back to the reading that Victoria Kate did, and I want to look at verse 18 and 19, and then we'll jump in to what I'd like to share today. Because I think verses 18 and 19 kind of show you what I mean by trying to figure this thing out. Let's look at verse 18 again that she read. And then one of them, so these are the people trying to figure it out, Cleopas replied, you must be the only person, he's talking to Jesus, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened in the last few days. So what he's talking about is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. This, this dude was dead. Three days later, he's alive, and everybody in town's buzzing. Like, oh my God, he's, he was here, he's not. They stole him. No, he didn't. It's real. It's not real. It's fake. It's a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. It's a real person. They're all, the whole town is buzzing, and everybody's chit-chatting around it, sitting around Mexican food going, what in God's name did you hear? Did you hear? And everybody knows about it. So it, it would be, uh, you know, pretty telling that if we were in this room right now and, you know, we ask a question, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, and you're like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And somebody will go, you don't know what we're talking about. George Floyd, you don't know what we're talking about. I mean, it's that kind of thing. It's something that had permeated the whole culture, and everybody had an opinion, and everybody was chit-chatting about it. So Jesus shows up, which is weird, in the middle of the chit-chat. It would be like you showing up in a restaurant where everybody's gossiping about you, but they don't know it's you, and you sit down at the table and gossip with them about yourself. <laughs> How awesome would that be? It's like, oh, dude, man, he is horrible. Oh, you ought to see Mark, man. He takes his shirt off. He looks eight months pregnant. Oh, man. And you're literally talking about yourself. And, and then it's just like you're just sitting there waiting to just jab him and go, oh, it's me you're talking about. But not Jesus. Look at the next verse. Jesus plays stupid. He's the dude that's risen from the dead. And he's like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Now in that moment, I wrestled with why wouldn't Jesus just go, boom, it's me. I'm here. And then just kind of disappear like... Phew. And then show back up and go, see, it's me. And then disappear. And then show back up and go, see. And then he's over there now. I'm like, where did he go? And he's like, I'm over here. And I'm like, oh, dude. And then he disappears and he goes over there. If, if, that's why none of you were God. Because that's the way we would have done it. 
we, we would have showed up invisible to the person we hated and we would have just spooked them out. But Jesus, before I talk about today, I wanted you to think about that. That Jesus could have easily taken it upon himself to say, well, let me blow your mind. But he doesn't. He stops and says, I'm going to play dumb here and act like I don't have a clue what's happened. And, and my thinking is, is because Jesus knew that if you don't get it, it will never work. It wasn't about him believing who he was. He just needed to know, do you believe who I am? Otherwise, here's my thinking on it, otherwise you're always going to expect it to be on my shoulders rather than yours. And in this moment, his work is over. It's off his shoulders now. He's, he's resurrected according to the story. He's now proven that he's God because he came back from the dead. And sitting in this moment is this, I'm really not going to wow you with my magic. I'm going to sit back quietly and I'm just going to see, here's the weird, this is my thinking. I'm just going to sit back and see if you really get it. I'm going to sit back and see if, if you really get what happened here. And we're 2,000 years away from that and I still, I'm 56, I still often ask myself, do I really get it? I think the whole story, we read 34 verses today, rather long, but because the whole story is the dude that did it trying to talk with the people to get it. So did it and get it. I, I did it for you. It happened. It's real. But I just want to hold off a minute to see if you really understand what I just did. Because if you don't get it, then the whole thing was a moot thing. So hence why Jesus would ask, well, I have no clue. Which is weird that Jesus would be faking somebody out. Like, I got no clue what you're talking about. What things? So let's jump into the lesson. And I'll, it's brief today, but that means we'll be out in a couple of hours. <laughs> Let's jump into the actual lesson. Here's what we've been talking about. What does it mean to be in my humanity? And what does it mean for me to be in Christ? And based on that text, I think, I don't want to go too high here, but I think I figured it out because I've been praying on it like, God, what does it mean? Derek and Ray last week did a great job of what it means, and we're all trying to figure out what does it mean to be in Christ. But I want you to think about this. Let's look at the scriptures Victoria Kate read. I highlighted things in color just to kind of pull your eyes to things. I don't think I'm any different and you're any different than the people who were there the day it happened. Because they're like, dude, this is a weird thing. The women who go to the tomb see him gone and they're literally puzzled about it in other words it, their brain wants to believe it but I just don't know I know he's not here but they're struggling he's not here to somebody steal him he's not here was he really here he's not here he's risen and then they just weirdly chit chat with two spirit beings 
And the spirit, the angels say, well, what are you even looking for? And then kind of gives this intimation at the beginning of the story. Whatever they're looking for, he's alive. It doesn't really do much in the story except to let us know that the Eve that blew it back here in Genesis, God shows up to women and they're the first that see him alive. I think it's the beauty of grace. The beauty of grace is Eve ate the fruit, but the beauty of grace is God didn't show himself to a man first. He showed himself, come on women, he showed himself to a woman first. I have my thoughts on that. I'm going to teach it in Genesis, but... I have my thoughts on why he showed up to a woman first. So all this thing of women need to keep quiet. If they would have kept quiet, nobody would have ever known he was risen. So come on, ladies, you play a big, you play a big role at while we're here today. And right now, some of you just need to thank God for your mama because that's why you're here today. <laughs> she kept your daddy from killing you. Look at the next verse. It gets deeper. So they rushed back to the tomb to tell the 11 disciples, here's what happened. We were there. It's gone. These three strange women show up, and they're there, and they saw it. And they come, and they tell the story to the 11 dudes. The 11 dudes, too stubborn. Men are too stubborn to go check it out. Men are like, I'm just going back fishing. I thought I I was going to sit at his right hand. I thought I was going to have some magic power and be in charge and be able to tell everybody what to do and have women serve me and sit at my feet. Men don't even show up to the tomb. They're out there smoking. Just just go back fishing. I'm tired of this. I thought we were going to get rich in a kingdom. And the ladies show up like, dude, we just were at the tomb And he's not even there. And then uh, I love how spiritual these fellows are. Because the the 12, the 11 dudes that walked with him for three years just go, die, dude. I don't believe it. It just sounds like nonsense. Now, that is probably where I think most men live. Men just like simple things. We just, we want good proof and we're good with it. But women coming back telling us they talked to some spirit being and had some emotional weird thing go because women are emotional and women get all up in their feelings. And then you come back and tell me he's not even there. It's just like, dude, that's just stupid. I don't even believe it. Yet I walked with him, I saw miracles, I walked on water, I saw him raise dead people, but I'm sorry, it's just nonsense. So when you tell me there's a city up there where a God lives and there's streets of gold and there's flying horses and there's angels that come back and forth to help us out on 285 when traffic's bad, I'm like, it sounds great, but it's just stupid. It's just nonsense. Just give me something logical. Don't give me something illogical. And so there's this fight that we're 2,000 years away, and I still think at times when I read the Bible, it just seems so illogical. Like flying horses and floating cities with gold and devils and beings with like Narnia. It just... And but, they, but here's what we know. They don't believe it. The 11 that walk with him are like, yeah, I just, I don't care. I don't believe, it can't be gone. 
Next story. It gets worse than that. Come on, somebody. It makes us all feel better. However, Peter, got to love that dude, jumps up and runs to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wraps, and he went home again. Didn't change a thing. He just still is wondering. <laughs> like, and you know what his brain is doing. Okay, did he raise? No. Yes, he did. He told us he would. No, he didn't. Somebody stole him. Who stole him? Oh, my God, somebody, I can't believe somebody stole him. If they stole him, i got to go get his body. And then you know he's thinking, oh, God, I denied him. He's going to kill me. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know he's thinking that. You know he's thinking, oh, man, I told everybody I didn't know him, and I was cussing that lady out, and then they killed him. Oh, he's going to kill me. Right? So I, I know he's not giddy. I know he's not jumping up and down, Jesus, like elf, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's like, oh, God. As a matter of fact, you know he doesn't, is not excited because Jesus have to say, has to say, go find him and bring him to me. Because <laughs> you know he's out there in the middle of the lake like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to see him. So here's what we know. Everybody, let's don't, let's don't put ourselves down. Everybody from day one was skeptical of what happened. So for you to sit here 2,000 years later and go, dude, I just don't know. Huh? Is he real? Is he not real? They were doing that day one. And so the question becomes, then what are, what are we supposed to believe as Christians? Do we just believe he, he came alive and, and we clap and go, you believe, yeah. And then we put your name on a roll and check a box and add you to a number to say our church is growing. Is that because if, if just believing that it happened was enough, then Jesus wouldn't have said what things. Jesus would have literally looked and said, Hey, it's me. Touch me. Touch me. It's me. I want you to believe. Let's go on. It gets interesting. And within an hour, they were all back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and the others gathered who said, The Lord has really risen. In other words, they finally come to grips with it. And they come to grips, here's what's weird, not because he appeared to the women, but because he appeared to Peter. That just, I got all daughters, that makes me mad. Like, why do you only believe it after he appeared to Peter? Now my thinking would be, is because Peter's still alive and Jesus didn't kill him. And so like, oh God, he's got to be real. I don't really know, I mean I do know, but I'll teach that in Genesis. But... Uh, but at least we come to the conclusion that they've kind of reconciled, I guess it is real. I don't know what happened, and it seems illogical, and it seems like nonsense. And I've really just sat home for an hour wondering what has just gone on in my, in my life. And then they go, well, I guess it's real, and they just praise God. So I want to take that thought and bring it into why Jesus didn't say anything, why he seems in this chapter to be an enigma of secrecy. What is Jesus looking for in us and see if we can define it. So here's, I think, the thought that will pop up. The challenge for every believer is to come to grips with what really happened. In other words, there comes a time where you have to believe it for yourself. It's not what your mother believes for you. It's not what I believe for you. 
Because there will be things I'll say I believe that may seem nonsensical to you and things you believe that I go, dude, that's just illogical. And really, if we're true, that's what our humanity does. Our humanity tries to reconcile this weird story with my own problems. Like, if he is God, then why didn't he fix everything for me? We've talked about that. If he, if he is God, why does he let all this hell go on in the world? If he is God, why does he let the evil? We're trying to balance what really happened here. If he's God, then he should be doing something. And I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay that when you see tragedy, you think, why didn't God do something? And then we even kind of get a little more arrogant and go, well, if I was God, I would have done something about it. If I was God, I wouldn't let there be abortion. If I was God, I wouldn't have let them die in a car wreck. If I was God, and then you really, you really, when you say that, misunderstand what God is. Because if all God does is just sit around and move pawns around, what was the point? What's the point of all of that? I wouldn't have even need to worry. I just thump the ones in the head I don't like and welcome the ones I do like and play chess with you. Move you around and shift you around, always trying to one-up the devil. But in this moment, I, I wrote in the green, because this is where I've wrestled to try to figure it out. I think there's a shallowness to Christianity that just says, do you believe it happened? We call it Easter. And typically on Easter, the house packs out because everybody comes to kind of go, dude, thank you. Don't know, don't know what it is, but mom told me to be here today and just want to give you a shout out today for whatever it is you did. Thank you, because I don't want to go to hell. And then we pack it out to tell people what happened. But when they go out the door, nothing happens. Nothing's any different. And I would wish that Jesus would trip them going out the door to say, Yo, it's me. I really am alive. You dummy, I just gave you a chance to enter your eternal life and you rejected me. So I wrote this, truly it's more than just believing it happened. Because the, the 12 and the ladies finally came to grips, okay, I'll give it to you, it happened. If that was all that was needed, we could have ended the Bible there. Check it off, Luke 24, end of the story. A group of people believed it happened. But it doesn't stop there, which is strange. It's not like Jesus going, yes, you dumb people finally get it. It doesn't stop there. Jesus kind of settles into, this is my thought, believing it happened is just the door to why it happened. And believing it happened answers verse 18 and 19 of why Jesus didn't say anything when he should have said something. And let's read, and I'll tell you what I think I've worked out. It's found in another gospel in John 20, but it's with the same dude, Peter, that was really skeptical. And with the disciples who were really skeptical... And Jesus is in a house meeting with people who think the story is nonsense. But who in some way have decided, okay, I guess it's real because he keeps showing up like a ghost and disappearing on us. 
So it must be real. So at least they've settled, okay, the story's real, he's alive. And Jesus shows up to these nonsense story, skeptical, amazed, confused, bewildered people on this day. And he did it on a Sunday. Hallelujah. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of Jewish leaders. That's cool. I think that is probably most Sunday churches. We gather together, we sit behind closed doors, and we talk about what Jesus did right here. It's real safe right here. I am not challenged at all by anybody that doesn't believe what I believe. I can just be me here, but when I go out the door... So I believe that this verse 19 pretty much sums up Christianity today. Is that we meet with Jesus on a Sunday and we just want him to do stuff for us. So he does. He shows up standing there. Yo, it's me. They're like, dude, man, welcome. Now, where are they? They're in a house with locked doors. Bring your brain to. We're at Believer's Church with the doors closed on a Sunday. And Jesus shows up on Sunday. I'm here. And we're all like, oh, you can feel him today. He was in the room. Oh, it was sweet in the room. You could feel the aroma. And the women are all, oh, you could smell the spirit. And the men are like, I just wish he'd hurry up and do whatever he's got to do. So he speaks, verse 20. Hey, fellas, it's me. That's what the preacher does. He speaks. He talks about Jesus. He tries to convince you he's alive. And then Jesus said, hey, let me just show you I really am real. See my hose and my wrist and my feet and my side. I'm going to show you proof that I'm here. And here's typical Sunday morning. They were all filled with joy. Mmm. Got coffee on the way out with marshmallows. Jesus showed up in worship. Preacher had a good word. We heard Tommy talk about his son. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a good day. And then repeat week after week after week after week. And I wonder if Jesus is not up there going, really, Mark? You think that's why I died? So you could all meet on a corner with the doors closed and have a blast talking about me, hoping I would show up to prove something? And I'm like, yeah. That's exactly what I think. They're not coming to talk to me. So Jesus, verse 21 Again says, peace. I think he tells them this to let us all know, men and women alike, there has to come a settling in your emotions, in your mind about what has happened. A true settling. A true, I might not be able to explain it all, but I believe it all. It's a peace that comes. 
It's a peace that just says, I can't figure out how he's here talking to me, but I know he does. It's a peace that says, I don't know how he came up, but I know it's that settling. The word peace, it's a settling. It's an assurance. It's a, I don't know, but I, I do know. It's a, it's I'm 100% convinced, but I'm still a little skeptical, but I'm convinced. It's that duality that overrides the other. It's the humanity that says, I don't get it, but it's the other side that says, but I'm in it to the death. I can't explain a floating city, but by God, when I die, I believe I'm going to go there. I don't understand flying horses, but dear God, I think he's coming back one day. And if he wants to come on a donkey or a horse, I don't care. I just believe he's coming. It, it is that settling of peace. It's that moment it, it comes real to you rather than somebody else. Nobody has to convince you anymore now. Nobody has to go, hey, I really think you ought to get up and come to church today. You just do it on your own. Hey, did you read your Bible today? You don't need anybody to tell you. You have convinced yourself that it's real. And you got 40 prayers that still aren't answered, but you don't care. You know prayer works. And you have Bible verses that you quote that don't work, but you don't care because you know God's Word works. And so that's what I mean by that's the thing he has to settle. He has to settle peace. You'll never be anything for God till you come to this place of, I settle it's real. It's just totally real. I settle. Why do you come every week? Because I believe it's real. Why do you read? Why do you pray? I believe it's real. Well, if it's real, then explain it. I can't explain it. I just believe it. Well, then you're stupid. Call me what you may. I don't care. Call me stupid. Call me ignorant. Call me low-minded. I still believe. Call me unschooled and ignorant. I still believe. That's what they did to the disciples, these unschooled, ignorant people. Well, like, call me whatever you want. Narrow-minded, call me. I don't care what you call me. I believe it. So he settles first. And I'll ask you, do you really believe this or is it just a story to you? Do you really believe that a dude died and came to life and went to sit by God and is literally up there in a city that you can't see? You have to believe that. But the goal isn't to stop at peace. If the goal was to stop at peace, we could just come on Sunday, go out the door with joy, and tell the preacher he did a good job. But he doesn't stop. He says, peace with you. And then comes the bullet. The bullet that stings, the bullet that hurts, the... The reason why it happened, the, oh gosh, the I don't care what you think. As the Father sent me, oh man, this touches me. I'm sending you. Why didn't you say in verse 19, it's me, why did you say, what are you talking about? Because Jesus wanted them to know, if you don't believe it really happened and you're not willing to go tell people, well, don't expect it to be on my shoulders then. I did my work, I created the story you're going to talk about, but I'm not talking about it. I need to know you will talk about it. I need to know it's real to you. If it's real to you and you will talk about it, then the story will continue 2,000 years later. And you will sit here today because somebody kept talking about it. And Chandler, Tommy's son, will be delivered from heroin because somebody talked about it. 
You heard Lauren's testimony a few weeks ago when she stands up and goes, I was this, I was on the streets, I was addicted to heroin. I was pimping myself out to pay the bills. Why doesn't Jesus just step in and to everyone she knows just fix it? Because that's not what he does. He steps in and says, you're the story. You're the ones that keep it going for me. So you have to believe it really happened, and then you have to believe I sent you to go tell people. And then he breathes on them. There's the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, it became clear, because I've wrestled with this all week, like just, God, tell me what to say. I I think I believe this. And I landed with these three last lines. To be in Christ means you've settled that you believe it happened. And you won't shut up about it. Now, if you believed it happened, but you don't say anything, this don't be mad at me. I don't think you, you know what it means to be in Christ. I think you're religious. I think you want to avoid hell, and I think you want to be behind locked doors with Jesus doing everything for you. And a believer who sits in a seat behind locked doors on a Sunday evening to chat about what Jesus did with each other is not in Christ. That's typically in fear, in passivity, in laziness, in selfishness. I I said forgive me before I said it, so thank you. But I I really, and I'm not preaching to you, I'm really trying to think this through for me because this is what I do with my life. I show up on a Sunday and talk about him. And then when I look at this and I think, well, here they are in verse 19 on a Sunday evening with Jesus really doing some cool things. But that's not, Jesus doesn't want you to just walk out the door and go, he did something cool today. My elbow was hurting and now it doesn't hurt. He did something cool today. The goal is for not Jesus to do something cool for you. The goal is that you believe it's real, whether he did something cool for you or not, and then you're sent out those doors to be the continuation of the story. But here's where it gets really weird. Really weird. Because the story is not just going out there telling other people it happened. Hey, do you know Jesus died for you and if you believe in him, you don't have to go to hell? That's not the continuation. The continuation is weird. And here's the weirdness of it. Jesus deposited himself within me. That's the weirdness of it. The weirdness wasn't that I would believe it happened. The weirdness is by believing it happened, Jesus is like, good, because now I'm I'm going to be in you. It's not what you believe here that's settling the peace. The peace is I settle it in the noggin. But the sending is, oh God, he's in me. He is in me. This is weird. But right now, if you're a Christian... The God of eternity is dwelling on the inside of you. I just feel like I pray and he doesn't hear me. He's in you. 
I feel like I pray, my prayers don't even go past the ceiling. They don't have to. He's in you. I just can't figure out why my life doesn't go well, because every time you're looking at porn, he's in you. He's probably like, dude, really again, Mark? Oh, stop making me look at that. Really again? You're going to hit the weed again? Okay. And he's down there. This is weird. I know it's probably not even theologically correct, but it makes me feel better. He's probably down there. (coughs) 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 Mark, I just need a shot of moonshine. It's been a bad day. And he's down there going. (coughs) (laughs) I don't even think that's biblically true, but it makes me understand he's in me. As my mother told me when I was a teenager, not living well, honey, when you go out the door, know that he's with you. It doesn't stop there. Whatever you do in the back seat of a car, he's there. (laughs) No, mother, no, mother. Because in the back seat of a car, in the moment, I hear my mother, he's there, and it's like, "Uh, what's wrong, Mark? Nothing, nothing's wrong. Do you believe that, though? I'm not asking, do you believe he's Jesus and is he God? I'm not asking you to believe in a floating city. I'm not asking, do you believe in the Easter story? I'm asking you, do you believe at this moment that the God of the universe is inside you? And wherever you go, he goes. And whatever you say, he's in you. Paul wrestles with this by saying, I'm crucified with him, but wait, it's not me that's living. It's him that's living through me. And I present to you that I think most believers don't understand what really happened. And what really happened is that when he did this, it was so he could live inside you. I studied religion, and this is a weird religion, Christianity. Most religions are humans are trying to become God. Christianity, God became a human. Most religions are humans, the gods are ticked off at you, and you better bring all these sacrifices and prayers and become one with the oak tree and talk with Mother Nature and try to be this ethereal at peace with yourself. Not this one. This one says, I'm not asking you to become me, I'm going to become you. And I'm going to ask you to clean yourself up. I'm going to clean it up for you. And I'm going to take all the pain for you. And oh, by the way, stop trying to get to me. I'm going to come live in you. I rarely see any other Greek mythology or religion where the gods came and lived inside a broken person. But he loves broken people. Well, how could he use my brokenness? He's not using your brokenness. Himself is in you. He's using himself through you. Your hands are his, which is weird. Your your words are his. Your eyes are his. That's why on the road to Emmaus, he didn't say, hey, let me blow your mind, it's me. That's why he just walked with him and said, tell me the story. Okay, really? Wow, they killed him. He's alive. That's cool. Man, that's really neat. Hey, you think you can come eat with us tonight? Yeah, dude, I'll do some soup with you. Yeah, let's keep talking that story. I want to hear it again. Tell it again. Tell it again. And then all of a sudden, at the middle of telling it, just he disappears. They're like, dude. Wait. And then it's that weird, weren't our hearts strangely warm? 
Oh, gosh. But it's not Jesus backing away going, they got it. They had a warm heart. And that's the goal, is that your heart is warm and Jesus blessed your soup. Because if you don't ask me to bless your soup, you're probably going to die of botulism. The reason I died for your soul is to bless your enchilada. You're welcome. Like that's literally what we think, that he died so we could chit-chat about him, died so we could pray over our food, died so we could say our prayers at night, died so he could help me in a bad day and make me feel better about myself, died so I could understand my purpose, died so I could have a better life, died so my marriage could be better. And he's like, what are you even talking about? You could do all that without me. All you have to do is cook the chicken and you won't get sick. I don't need to bless it, just cook it really good. <laughs> so all the things you want me to do, I want to be better. You can be better, go to school, read a book, you can become better, lose some weight, you can become better. I didn't die just so you could pray over your soup. I didn't die just so y'all could have a Sunday evening service. I didn't die just so I could wow you with my magical gifts. I died so I could live in you so you could become me. Watch. You could become me to the world. Which is weird that God takes this broken man called Mark with this failure of a story and says, Mark, just go out there and let watch. Let me be me through you. But if I've not settled, it's real. And I'm standing there and I have this moment to pray for somebody. But my mind, my, my unpeaceful mind kicks in. What if it's not true? What if you pray and nothing happens? What if you, they probably don't want to be bothered. They don't want to be bothered. They don't need to know. Why don't you just invite them to that Sunday service where you lock the doors and everybody talks about God? I could do that. I could invite him to come to church with me because I do like the preacher. And the preacher's kind of weird and he goes along sometimes. But he is fun to listen to. Sometimes I have no idea where he's going. But by the time he goes there, I'm like, oh, that's where he was going. You need to come to that church and sit with me. And the music is good too. And we like everybody there. We just like everybody. We have smokers. We have ex-drug addicts. We have ex-prostitutes. We even have some people that don't even know what kind of gender they are. Just come on. We would love you to come to our little church where we lock everybody in a room and we talk about what Jesus did and we call it on Sunday. We let Jesus kind of wow us with all his magic and then we go out the door and we just still live the same life. So to get it is, which is strange, if you believe this story then you carry Christ, which is strange, you carry him to the world. In every person you're close to, Jesus is within three feet of that person. If that sickness comes within this, then that sickness is just a hand reach away to be gone because Christ lives in you. But that's hard to believe because most of us never settle peace of what he really did. Most of us feel too guilty. Most of us feel like, there's no way he could use me. I still smoke. There's no way he could use me. I've had a bad day. There's no way he could use me because I still, I don't even have my own stuff together yet. I just got to get, I'm just so far away from perfect. I'm just going to have to get me right first. No. In all of your juju, he's like, I just want to use you. Me? Yes. You? Yes. You. But, but, but. Just keep smoking let me use you. Like literally, that's, we're so religious, we think we've got to get it all right before he uses me. 
that I've got to have some magical prayer cloth before I can just say, do you mind if I pray for you? But if I haven't settled peace yet, that it really is true. He really loves me. He really forgave me of all my sins. He really loves me no matter what. He has moved on the inside of me. Once I settle it there, I'm like, God's just use me. Use this broken, a little skeptical. But dear God, if anybody's on my watch today that passes that needs you, may I ever be so bold to lead him. Watch what happens all in here. Here's the story. Next scripture. When he saw Peter, this is the lame man, about to enter, he asked for some money. Don't you love that? This is book of Acts. Peter, John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked eagerly, expecting to get some money. Because that's what religion does. We pay your bills and give you food and do all the stuff that every, the banks can do and publics can do. But Peter said, listen, bro, I don't have any silver for you, no money. But then the moment where you understand, Peter understood what happened. It wasn't just a story to Peter. It wasn't just Peter understood Jesus is in me right now. And this lame dude that's laid here for years and nobody's done a thing, it's up to me to do something. Hey, I, I don't have what you say you need, but I do have something. And what I have, I want to give to you. And that, to me, is what it means to be in Christ. Here's my thought to that. If others aren't coming to know Christ because you are carrying Christ, then you're falling short of being in Christ. To be in Christ means that you carry Him so other people can know Him. To be in Christ doesn't mean you know the books of the Bible. To be in Christ doesn't mean you come to church all the time. To be in Christ doesn't mean that you've got your act together, so to speak, or you, you have no fleshly parts to you, or you haven't had a bad day. To be in Christ means that Mark wakes up and says, when I wake up, God wakes up, and when I go driving, God is with me, not just with me, He's in me. He's inside me. And so wherever I'm at at any given moment, I can allow the power of God to flow out of my life to change the life of somebody else. And I would say I've not done, a, uh, I've not done research on it, but I've been around long enough to know that most people live too guilty to believe that God is really in them and wants to do something through them. Most of Christianity is just trying to fix ourselves to find joy, to pray over the food, to not be so bad of a person, and to hope to goodness I get in when I get there. And the goal of Christianity, of why Jesus died, is that you would believe it happened, and when you believe it happened, He moves inside you, and when He moves inside you, it continues to happen through you. The life, the power, and the miracles. Here's communion. You are a carrier of Christ. Believe it. That's the peace. Act like it. Share it and expect it. If I could sum up, I didn't know this was going to tie together, but as I kind of just molded over and thought about it, I think it's why the phrase, own your 50 feet, has become so powerful here over the last three or four years. I didn't know at the time it would be so powerful, 
until I realized own your 50 feet means it's just strange. Hear me right when I say it. It means 110 Jesus people walk out the door carrying Jesus. And lives are changed because of you. Because you believed it. Would you stand and let me pray for you today? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.